All right, B-listers, you know the drill. This is your official spoiler alert for the episode. If you don't want any spoilers, stop the episode now. And if you don't care about spoilers, hold on to your seats because this episode starts now. Hi, Court. And hi, Bee Critics family. Welcome to another episode of the Bee Critics podcast. This week's movie has all the lore of a drama with the twists and blood pressure spikes of a thriller. It has a star-studded cast that does not disappoint, and the end, I mean, if you could guess that ending, then you probably need to go be a detective because that is a skill. (laughs) But before we really get into it, let's tell the people where to find us. So you can find us... You can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Be Critics Podcast. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and follow our Instagram for all the best movie content. Okay, I think it's time to get into the episode. Woo. So our guest critic for this episode is a returning guest. We have Matt on the podcast. Hi, Matt. Hey, everyone. Thanks for having <laughs> me back. <laughs> I'm yeah. excited to talk about this one. Thanks for returning. So... If you haven't listened to it already, Matt did one of our first episodes with us, the Jurassic Park episode. That was a great episode, so be sure to go check it out. The link will be in our show notes. Um, But this week, we're talking about a very different movie. So Matt, do you want to introduce the movie? Yeah, sure. So me, for one, I will never be tired of Daniel Craig's Foghorn Leghorn (laughs) KFC draw because they were talking about... Knives out. Woo! <laughs> Fabulous movie. And I totally agree. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about Daniel Craig today. <laughs> for sure. How can we not? <laughs> yeah. Occupies any part of my day. If it has Daniel Craig brought up, then I think it's time well spent. There you go. Opinion. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to run through the movie of the episode real quick. Knives Out follows the unfortunate story of a wealthy family whose patriarch, Harlan, dies suddenly and leaves absolutely nothing to any of them in the will. When Harlan died, oh, how Harlan died is somewhat of a mystery, but the family is determined to pin it on the longtime caretaker, Marta, after finding out she is the sole recipient of the estate. Each family member has their own likeliness of being involved, but somehow Marta is the most suspicious of all. That is, until a key piece of evidence is discovered and all the pieces fall into place. This whodunit ends in a wild twist. The main suspect hasn't done it, but then who has? Were the local police right all along, or will Detective Benoit Blanc uncover the truth? Hmm. Wonderful. We'll that's a out. wonderful log line. Like, that's such a good... I don't know. All these, like, mystery movies, I feel like, always have really good plot summaries. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one was, like, super long in the making, too. Mm-hmm. It was, like, supposed to start, like in the i think in 2017 and then like looper happened and then star wars and all the things and it didn't actually come out until 2019 so yeah i think he yeah. originally wrote it in 2005 is that right oh I have yeah no he wrote it a long time, time before it was actually made because and i think he wanted to make it after he made looper mm-hmm. but then he got hired to do star wars 
And to me, it's really interesting that this movie comes directly after The Last Jedi, because this movie is so universally liked and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Like, I, f- I haven't met a person who just, like, straight up dislikes it. Like, you either, like, it's it's pretty well liked but the Mm -hmm. last jedi is one of the most toxic like (laughs) split (laughs) movies like you either like really like it and you think it's like the best one of the best star wars movies or you just completely Mm -hmm. hate it um so we're talking about ryan johnson and i watched this interview with him where he basically said like i would be surprised if there weren't people that like absolutely loved it but also absolutely hated the last jedi yeah, I think this movie did a lot to get him back into people's good graces a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah, which, sure. I mean, I've always found that a little ridiculous because, I mean, I guess that's just like the toxicity of fandom is that everyone turned on him so <laughs> yeah. much. Because I remember like having to convince some of my friends to go see this movie because it was directed by him. I was like, oh, it looks really good. Like Daniel Craig's in it. The cast looks incredible. It's like mm-hmm. a classic mystery thriller, but they were just so upset over Star Wars <laughs> yeah. that they didn't trust them. And I, I for one, real like The Last Jedi. I don't really like any of those new ones a ton, but his, I feel like he was actually going for something in that movie that's different than a lot of Star Wars movies. But it's just crazy that the those two are back to back because this is one of I feel like the more universally liked and enjoyed movies of the last five to ten years i feel like everyone agreed kind of connected with it when it came out yeah ryan johnson has said too that because he was getting so much backlash from what what jedi jedi movie what the the Star Wars jedi. One? yeah the last jedi because he was getting so much backlash he like used that as incentive to make this movie like fantastic because he was like i'll show mm-hmm. them <laughs> yeah and it worked out for him <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> So this movie is two hours, ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. It's a Mr. Thriller comedy drama movie. It's like dark comedy in my opinion. Um, yeah. Rated PG-13. Yeah. So before like just the PG-13 thing, it was originally going to be rated R because they threw bad words around like crazy throughout mm-hmm. filming. Mm-hmm. Um but Ryan Johnson wanted like young adults to be able to go and see it. So they had to refilm a lot of scenes to take out words. So like when Ransom comes in for the first time and he says that line that's just so stupid and you're like, what are you five? It's because they <laughs> wanted it to be PG-13 mm-hmm. so that more people could enjoy it. Yeah, that's that really sense. interesting. I think it works that it's not super like explicit because it makes mm-hmm. it, it gives it more of a classic feel rather yeah. than like... Um, if they were just like whipping f words around and stuff, yeah. like you know, uh, I think it would it would make it a little too. It would be just kind of misplaced in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, so it feels more realistic too. Because yeah. like with your family, like yes, you're generally yourself around them, but you're not like whipping the worst swear words around all the time. Because mm-hmm. typically there's children around, like there's young adults, mm-hmm. so it's just like inappropriate. Mm-hmm. The movie came out in 2019. Yeah. It came out the same year as a lot of other like really popular movies. So we had Midsommar that year, the live action Aladdin, Little Women, Rocket Man, Booksmart, and Frozen 2, like among others. But mm-hmm. it's just kind of crazy that in 2019, so many fantastic movies. I feel like this came was out. one of the 
like mo most well liked like in general people really liked this movie compared to all those other ones you just listed maybe book smart but i feel like i don't know i think more than book smart i think people like really enjoyed this movie and it made a ton of money too so yeah it did it, like <laughs> this is one of the biggest this is a huge hit and mm -hmm. it like is a little depressing that this was such a huge hit and then like not to get ahead of ourselves, but the sequel they just threw on Netflix. Mm -hmm. They put it in theaters for like five days and it made like so much money per theater. Like when they put Glass Onion, the next one in, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, just put them in theaters. Like everybody wants to go see them. So mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know. Like this isn't that long ago and like this is a movie flipping basically a 40, $35 million budget and it made like $320 million, which is yeah. crazy now for an original really story. <laughs> I don't really understand why it's so like Netflix bought the rights to the Knives Out stories. And mm -hmm. like, so Glass Onion is on Netflix, but like Knives Out is not. You have yeah. to rent it. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's just like, it's kind of like how um, maybe they are now, but for a while, even though Marvel owns the rights to spider-man now like none of the toby Maguire spider-mans were on disney plus for a little bit because sony like partially they like technically i think lease the rights mm -hmm. sort of um so it's probably just like they just bought the rights specifically for this and then whoever the studio i guess i think it's like Lionsgate made this mm -hmm. movie um still owns them so it's kind of their decision to do whatever with this one yeah, I read the, like, I guess it's an autobiography of um, the CEO of Disney. Mm -hmm. And he, there's like an entire chapter where he talks about um, like negotiations with other production companies to get rights to like sequels and get rights to like host that show or that movie on mm -hmm. their platform. And it's like so strange what other companies will like give up versus what they're willing to hold on to and it i don't know to me it doesn't make sense like why not just like lease it i don't know disney plus like pay a certain percentage to them to have it on your thing i don't know it's silly yeah yeah i'm not sure if Lionsgate has some sort of direct ties with a streaming service but this this movie is you kind of you have to buy it or rent it i'm pretty mm -hmm. sure like yeah. to watch it on streaming so yeah it's uh it's surprising. I feel like if they put this movie on Netflix, it would be the number one movie on Netflix for like mm -hmm. a month or something. Like yeah, it. it would have a really big second life. Yeah. Agreed. Amazon Prime's making $4 a pop to rent it. So yeah. maybe that's what they're like holding out on. Maybe they're doing it on purpose. Probably. Because they're trying to like squeeze what they can out of Glass Onion and then bring this one back. Mm -hmm. So we already talked about Ryan Johnson a bit. We're going to talk about him a lot more um, later in the episode. But this movie also has a pretty notable cast. So just to name a few, we have Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Ricky Lindholm. Um, and this movie is known for being like the a modern version of a murder mystery story. I think it's like really one of the best like original stories we have in like recent times in the last five to ten years um mm -hmm. is a very critically acclaimed movie it was nominated for three golden globes including best original screenplay 
Um, I think with its first like showing in theaters, it netted like a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, Matt, you touched on it a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think it was a very, very successful movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. And I think the cast is a big part of that. Um, mm-hmm. Like you brought, you brought up some of the names, like, I mean, Chris Evans, this is like one of the things he does like this is like right smack dab kind of in the like tail end of the whole Captain America thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the first times I feel like for that whole decade that we saw him do something that wasn't play Captain America because he was so yeah. tied up <laughs> in that for forever. <laughs> and to me personally, it makes me sad because I think he is like, I think this is the best he's ever been in anything is in this movie. He's so like weird and funny and like threatening all at the mm-hmm. same, like the whole time. Like you're like, he plays this part so well where you're like, you want to trust him, but you don't like mm-hmm. he's, he, and he looks great too, like the whole time. So yeah. it's just to me, I'm like, damn, like we could have seen him do like stuff like this mm-hmm. all throughout the 2010s, but we got him playing captain america like yeah i agree i was so impressed i was like i didn't even know that chris evans could actually act (laughs) Act, yeah 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 i think he's i think he's pretty similar to james franco where he's really good at that side character role Mm -hmm. like the supporting character but the second you put him in the main role like it just falls apart for some reason Mm -hmm. yeah i I agree i mean he's the main part in captain america Y'all are just shitting yeah. on Captain America. He doesn't well, have to do a lot in fault. Captain America, though. <laughs> I think it's first, just like the yeah. nature of the film. Like, he doesn't have to do a lot of acting. Like, there's no range that's necessary. I'm not saying that, like, those movies are bad or that he does a bad job. I'm just saying, like, this is a movie where he gets the opportunity to, like, actually show that he can really act other than just coming yeah. up and being like, oh, I'm Captain America. Mm. Yeah, and um, him and... Ana de Armas too in this movie I feel like have a lot of on-screen chemistry like they like play mm-hmm. really well in scenes together which is I really I thought there funny. was gonna be like a little love sequence like I yeah. thought they were gonna like <laughs> get together at the end <laughs> yeah that's like a that's a smart decision I feel like in the movie and it is kind of funny because I feel like both of them are so good in this movie and every movie they've made after this is like oh no like they just made a movie <laughs> for Apple <laughs> that I watched called ghosted and it was so bad to me. And they're, they have no chemistry in it at all. And it's like, are these the same two people who were in in knives out together? Like, how is this happening? That's wild. (laughs) I haven't seen that. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. Not good. (laughs) Maybe Ryan Johnson deserves more credit than. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, speaks mm-hmm. to the power of working with great filmmakers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He also talked a lot about, I watched an interview of his, about how having like a lot of experienced actors. So for example, he said Jamie Lee Curtis, he was like, she was incredible like in the acting front, but she also like had this way of like bringing a, a vibe to the group that like everybody instantly had a lot of chemistry and like worked really mm-hmm. well together and took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So, yeah, you're hanging and around all a... these like all stars, and you're probably going to be amped up too. <laughs> yeah, she's a very trusted 
face. I feel like mm-hmm. people just really cling to her when they see her on screen. I love like, her. <laughs> yeah, I think this movie, one thing that's really cool about it is that the cast is, like, obviously really stacked or whatever. Like, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people in it who are famous. But it's not like they're just throwing, like, they seem, like, chosen for a reason. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, they, it's not like they're just, oh, let's just get as many movie stars, like, as possible in a movie. Like, mm-hmm. they picked really good actors for those parts. Like, Tony Collette, for instance, who plays the, she's, like, the widow of Harlan's dead mm-hmm. son. Yeah. She is, like fantastic like and she's coming off such a good job yeah hereditary which is like her big recent role where she's freaking crazy in that movie and she kind of brings she just brings really fun like her and jamie lee always i feel like bring really fun like energy like on screen Mm -hmm. like for me personally i'm like anytime i'm like oh jamie lee curtis is gonna be in this maybe i'll check it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah they all held their own really well it wasn't mm-hmm. like one person was like pulling the group up. They were all like participating equally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Michael Shannon too. Like he's he's great in this as the like one of the sons and Don. The funny thing that I was watching about it is Don Johnson, who plays um, Jamie Lee's husband in this. Mm-hmm. He like so for most people like. I guess our parents or like people older than us, they would know him from Miami Vice, like the TV show. <laughs> but I knew him because the first time I ever saw him in like anything was Django Unchained. And he plays <laughs> like he plays like the plantation owner. And then yeah. in this movie, he's like straight up racist in this movie. He's an too. asshole. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, Don Johnson picking all the fucking racist parts. What the yeah. hell? Wait, okay, the scene where he's like talking about the immigrants and he like yeah, calls her over was... and then like hands his plate to her. That was like all him. He was like, I'm just gonna act like she's the staff. Yeah, that's it's that awful. scene always makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's terrible. I like how too like every single family member says that Marta's from a different country. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk about Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc. Mm-hmm. And I want to start with his accent. <laughs> I didn't like it. I understood where it was going. Yeah. It was too much. <laughs> it was yeah. so much. <laughs> it is a lot. It works for me personally, but yeah. it's like I've like gotten so used to it now because of watching this a bunch of times and watching uh like the new one um Mm -hmm. and they obviously like make fun of him in the movie for (laughs) uh doing it i don't know if y'all knew this but when they had talked about doing like a sequel they had suggested at one point that they were going to make him do a different accent for everyone (laughs) so like he was just going to change his accent for the second movie but then they like just scrapped that idea and thought the southern thing was really funny yeah, it is funny. That is for sure. Like it doesn't fit him at all, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just because I know him in other roles, but mm-hmm. um, I do think it doesn't kind of fit him because they had to make different. They had to make choices, like for example, with costuming to like tone down what he looked like because he didn't exactly fit that like southern cop vibe. 
His, also, his name is Benoit Blanc. <laughs> That's not yeah, like char- a Deep South yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, the character choices for him specifically are just like really all over the place and wacky. <laughs> I think they're like, I mean, trying to play a little bit on like, obviously, you know, Agatha Christie is probably a massive influence on this movie. Mm-hmm. And her detective, Hercule Poirot, he's like really like, kind of a character like kenneth branagh has made some adaptations recently of like some agatha christie novels like death on the nile and murder on the orient express and Mm -hmm. in those movies he's like playing hercule Poirot, and he has like a mustache that like twirls up and stuff so i feel like maybe ryan johnson was trying to like design this character where it's like it's so ridiculous that this like guy acts this way and like yeah, but he's yeah. been really good at his job too. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're all kind of larger than life characters. Mm-hmm. Like, they all have something that's just like played on and played on. Like Meg, she's just like this mopey teenager. It's mm-hmm. like every time we turn around, she's like crying or hugging someone <laughs> or like making a mistake of some kind, and that's like her whole character. <laughs> yeah, and the Nazi son who's <laughs> yeah. like over there like taking videos one of the videos. things yeah <laughs> the kid's a nazi yeah yeah that line uh, the line about him which i don't know if we want to talk about it now but it's like the it's one of the hardest i've ever laughed I think, in a movie theater nazi child <laughs> masturbating in the bathroom yeah <laughs> when he said that like i was like in tears the first time i saw it <laughs> I laughed pretty hard too. That's a good one. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then we have Ana de Armas as Marta. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. So believable. So perfectly done. (laughs) I don't think she's the heart of the movie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. without her, this movie I Mm -hmm. don't think works as well. Like, Mm -hmm. She she has to play a pretty difficult part, I feel like, in this. Like Yeah, I agree. She's like, you know, cooperating with the investigation. She's got that like I the guess, vomiting. Yeah, the vomiting. <laughs> How do we feel about the vomiting all. thing? I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I thought it was funny. It, <laughs> it always came them at a perfect yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, it opens them up to just like a really funny, like physical sight gag like <laughs> that they can use and it works super well. Yeah. She does a really good job with it, too. <laughs> she's another one who, like Chris Evans, I feel like we got this, and then it's like she's just been in crap now. Like, <laughs> I can't remember the last... I mean, she just got nominated for an Oscar for for Blonde, but I think the consensus on that movie is it's pretty trash. I've never even heard of that like, movie. Um, but she... I mean, the first time I saw her was in... She's in Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. Um she plays a way different part in that movie. She plays like Ryan Gosling's like like holographic girlfriend or something. Oh. Sort of bizarre. <laughs> in strange. this movie though, she's fantastic. Like this is mm-hmm. I think like Chris Evans, this is far and away her best her best role to me. It felt very natural. Like there was mm-hmm. no part of her character that was forced and like it could have very easily gone too far. But it was like just the right amount of like being normal, but also like having like something that's like a little bit like you're questioning her, mm-hmm. you know, but it wasn't too over the top. Like, I don't know. I loved her. I was enthralled with her the entire movie. 
Yeah, I liked all the parts too where she was going around with Daniel Craig and she was trying to like cover her tracks the whole time. <laughs> I thought she was super cute. Making herself be like, oh, oh, I can't hear you. Like, let yeah. me like walk all over everything. <laughs> or just let like the dogs chucking, run. Just like chucking uh-huh. the wooden piece that came from the, the <laughs> terrace. <laughs> she's like a really fun like foil, I feel like, to the rest of the characters in the movie where she's like mm-hmm. pretty down to earth and mm-hmm. quiet and everything. Obviously, that has a lot of intentionality and kind of ties in with what the themes of the movie are but (laughs) she her performance is like in in comparison with the other people who are playing like you know ridiculous over-the-top rich people is just a really smart it's a smart plot device Mm -hmm. yeah i agree so then we have chris evans we talked about him a little bit but in this movie he plays ransom or hugh ransom to the help yeah, one of the best movie sweaters of all time, in my yes, opinion. The like the movie sweaters. sweater of all time is Billy Crystal and When Harry Met Sally. Like to yes. the point where everybody now wears that as a Halloween costume. But he, <laughs> there's when they're in the restaurant together, the sweater he's wearing in that scene in this movie is fantastic, great, way up there in the history. He looks of great sweaters. the whole movie. Like everything mm-hmm. he has on works so well. Like you can tell he's supposed to be like the hot one in the family and mm-hmm. like this like hot rod guy kind of thing and yeah they also it do a good works. job of making him a little bit more modern than everybody else like i feel like everybody mm-hmm. else like you can tell their age and then he's like the younger like it kind of fits his house when they go when him and um marta go to his house and it's like the really modern home you know i think he's mm-hmm. kind of like representing He's trying to like branch out from the family a little bit. Yeah, and he, um, I think that works really well with what I was kind of talking about earlier, where he like, you're kind of inclined to trust him because he's the one who's like calling out all the other ones who you're like, you're being taught by the movie to hate the other people of the family because of the way that they act. So when he shows up and he's like the one that they all thinks an asshole, and they're like, and he's like calling him out and stuff, it like works really well with you being like oh like maybe this is a person who will help it's like like, a double negative yeah (laughs) exactly yeah like it Mm -hmm. it just speaks to that that character is definitely one of the bigger successes of this this one yeah a less known character um so frank oz plays the like council and if you don't know who Frank Oz is, that's like completely understandable because he's not usually in like movies where you're going to see his face. He's a voice actor and mm-hmm. he played the voice of Miss Piggy and Yoda. So yeah. he's just like How randomly random. in there too, which he, I mean, he is using his normal voice because he's just a lawyer. So you wouldn't really mm-hmm. recognize it. But I just thought that was very interesting because it's like, <laughs> who's this guy? Mrs. Piggy and Yoga, Yoda. <laughs> Yeah, and I assume that I guess they met making Last Jedi because I think there is a scene mm. in Last Jedi. Spoiler alert! Maybe like <laughs> six years old, but <laughs> where Yoda does like pop up for like five seconds or something. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. That Frank Oz is a total legend, so mm-hmm. it's cool to see him. And he's just this like small part in this movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> but memorable. Yeah, very another memorable. another person we didn't really touch on, which maybe you were going to bring up, is the fact that Lakeith Stanfield is just randomly in this movie, and he plays like 
a super nothing part he's like the yeah. state police detective and he's like i mean <laughs> he's like oscar nominated and like he was in get out he's in judas yeah. and the black messiah like he's a really big like he's a especially during this time he was like really getting big because of atlanta to the tv show mm-hmm. and he's just He's in this movie, like, not doing really any. He's just, like, following <laughs> Daniel Craig around. It's like anybody could have played that part, but Lakeith, it speaks to the casting of this movie that it's yeah. Lakeith Shanfield. Yeah. You have to have the best and nothing but the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is an important part because mm-hmm. he's, like, the, you know, the normal town cop. And he's, like, yeah. the opposite of Daniel Craig's character. Mm-hmm. So, like, also how- in, like, every scene. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. I just feel like mm-hmm. he's, like, meant, to- yeah, I guess that's. Yeah, that's true. It's just like, to me, he's meant to just like kind of be like the boring one. Yeah, you're right, though. Anyone could have played him. Like, it didn't need to be him. But he did a great job. I liked it. But it's so much better because he does, because he plays it and he's a great actor. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Another fun surprise cameo we got was Joseph Gordon Levitt. And you don't actually see him on screen. But at the very beginning, when Marta's sister is like watching the news or some like article or something online about the murder it's his voice on the that's coming. i think she's watching like a movie she's watching like something about the death of this person or something i don't know i couldn't really pick up on what she was watching i think she's just watching a movie and in the movie there was like a death that was happening and then Mm. marta's mom was like how are you playing that your sister just like (laughs) dealt with this same kind of thing um i didn't realize that was his voice but him and him and ryan johnson have pretty deep collaborative ties i mean i think ryan johnson's debut is brick and that stars joseph gordon levitt that's a great movie you should check it out and then he's yeah and looper so i think he's actually in almost everything that he's ever made like in glass onion he like plays a voice on an intercom or something and then i think they may have put him like in a stormtrooper suit or something in last jedi (laughs) so i think like he just pops up yeah and everything like and you have to really look for him because that is just purely friendship right like there's no reason to bring him on in any Mm -hmm. of those parts other than like hey this is my buddy i want to be in the movie yeah (laughs) but um joseph gordon levitt like dabbles in directing too right yeah yeah, a little yeah. bit. He made that really weird movie where he's like addicted to porn or whatever, and I don't think that really went very well with the. the <laughs> I don't public think it, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard of a Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie other than ones that he's acting in. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like everybody just knows him as like, oh, that's the guy from Inception. <laughs> yeah, or five hundred. That was like his summer. big. Yeah, five hundred. Yeah. That's another that one. That's a good one too. Yeah. Um. Okay, but I. The last like characters I want to talk about is just the family dynamic in general, like the way that everybody worked together. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there was such a believability to them all as a family, like the right amount of like getting along versus bickering and fighting. And um, I thought they had a really, really good chemistry on screen. Mm-hmm. Especially was- with... Not oh, bad. just with Michael Shannon's character, like being yeah. the like son who's like invested in the family business, but like there's something off with him where he's like, you get the feeling like that he's gonna mess it up. It's kind of like if people watch Succession, like Kendall Roy's character in that, 
he like you know he's the one trying to be most like his dad but he's not there's something missing like he just can't do it and i feel like michael shannon like obviously he's trying to do some like kind of shady stuff business wise or whatever his character specifically i thought it was kind of good to make them all they're like all smart but dumb at the same Mm -hmm. time like they're like smart but they're super rich so they're all morons too so (laughs) yeah i liked how all the siblings were like relatively loyal to each other too like in the Mm -hmm. interviews but then like don johnson gets in there and they ask him to like dish it out on some of the other characters like walt and he's like yeah sure let me tell you everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's just the biggest jackass in this movie like it's so funny he's he's a really funny actor (laughs) okay so i do have like a question for you guys and i don't know about y'all this was my second time watching knives Mm -hmm. out so i kind of like knew what was going on um but i still remember like from the first time that i watched it who i thought actually committed the murder like from the beginning so i'm curious to hear like if y'all thought that somebody was responsible from the beginning and if you did, like, who did you think it was? Um, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> like, I'm like really bad at guessing twists and yeah. like figuring out who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the first time I saw it, like, I was more inclined to believe it was going to be Chris Evans just because like why would you put him in this movie in this part if it yeah. wasn't him but mm-hmm. then like 600 different times throughout the movie I'm like wait never mind it's not him oh wait yeah it is <laughs> like I flip back and forth but I can never figure out stuff like that in the movie like <laughs> in yeah, movies I... like this. <laughs> Go ahead, I was gonna say I agree like I don't I don't typically try to guess the end because I'm typically wrong I think I remember – I mean, I've seen this movie several times, so I honestly don't even remember, like, what my what I was thinking, like, during the first time of watching it. Mm-hmm. But I do remember thinking that um, Catherine Langford's character was always, like, yeah. really suspicious. That's who I thought it was, her and her mom. I was like, those two are in cahoots. They are no. out for the money. Like, <laughs> I thought she was going to be, like, worse than she ended up being because – I think like her character was always not that she was with her mom, but she was like of that family. Like she was the good version, right? She was like a little bit more down to earth. She's like going to school. Like she was like the innocent one in this scenario. And I thought that was going to turn and it did turn. Like she did end up turning on Marta and like telling her family about Marta's mom and stuff. And I think that Mm -hmm. was the worst of it. Like I think it like the suspicion was right. Meg was not all, all good. Um, but it wasn't that she like murdered Harlan for any reason. Yeah. I just like thought she was suspicious. Like mm-hmm. her like running out and hugging Marta and like being mm-hmm. this like s- like she's like the person like if you win the lottery, that's like, oh my God, like Courtney, I love you. And you're yeah. like, who, like, I don't even know your middle name. Like, who are you <laughs> kind of person? And yeah. Yeah. That's, like I suspected her, but <laughs> yeah, it's like fishy that she's like oh, I'm definitely the nice one. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Fake. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Plummer, we haven't brought him up. What a fucking cool <laughs> role for him, and he's perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks so much like a, like, old, 
you know, like shut in writer. Yeah, like shut in writer <laughs> who's like a part of this like you know, like patriarch of a family like this. Mm-hmm. Um I think he was I, very believable as like being like a really like a softy with Marta and then also mm-hmm. like being able to be hard and strict on his family. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. I, I can't believe I just thought of this. Like it just clicked into my head, but he's um, the like head of the family and he plays the head of the family in the girl with the dragon tattoo American yeah. version where yeah. he's the one who hires Daniel Craig <laughs> to come <laughs> investigate like his, I think it's his daughter or his granddaughter disappearing. That's like yeah. the mystery of the movie. So I guess he's just, he's just the best at this <laughs> like specific role. Like, let me figure out who in my family is like taking advantage of me. Yeah. In some it's way. like the same as, the guy who played like Gandalf in all of the Lord of the Rings movies or mm-hmm. um, the X-Men, the old man in X-Men. Like mm-hmm. they just like have that look yeah, to them. Like, it's just like believable. Like you are a dad, a grandpa, the person who mm-hmm. tells everybody when they're being idiots kind of person. And it's that like ability to switch from like being strong to being sweet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. He does it very well. Um, I was gonna ask if there was any recasting that you guys considered while you were watching, but I think we already like talked about all of that. I think we're all absolutely not the in love with the characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of anyone that I was like, uh, I don't know, like let's get you know someone else in here for this one. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing they could have done. Like, this is probably going to be an unpopular opinion, but they could have brought somebody who was actually Southern to play Daniel Craig's part. Or just, like, yeah. not make him Southern. Let him be, like, from the Northeast. <laughs> like, what's the yeah. issue? I, I think, <laughs> like, his part was done right. Like, I feel like he did a good job with it. Like, I liked it. I just think that would have changed the movie a little bit if they had had, like, an actual Southern person as that role. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, like, he... I guess he exists so much as James Bond in our minds that to me it kind of works in this movie that he's like playing a super ridiculous like detective Southern like Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. off the wall because that's so different from playing the James Bond part where he's like a suave British like Mm -hmm. action hero like gritty and stuff and then then this like I liked seeing him like have fun on screen even if his accent does like suck I don't know. I actually thought like he the accent is really like not that bad. I think the problem was, at least for me, I couldn't like connect the accent with what I was looking yeah. at. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like that is what people from the deep south sound like. Like they're slow and they've got the draw mm-hmm. and they're very sweet sounding. He just like you look at him and you're like, man, that is not what I thought you were gonna sound like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna talk about this later, but like Ryan Johnson wanted to put who so he made that character not knowing who was going to be cast as the part mm-hmm. and originally it was that person was supposed to be like really southern looking like dressed in like all white linen suits and everything mm-hmm. but when Daniel Craig was cast as that part he basically made the decision to like pull back on that because like just like you said Liz like it doesn't really match his look like that mm-hmm. accent doesn't really match Daniel Craig. And so like 
it would have almost been ridiculous if they had done like gone all out with him being Southern because it already kind of was ridiculous. And so like imagine if he was like really dressed to the part too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like um, it feels like the accent feels like something him and Ryan Johnson were like, wouldn't this be really funny if I had like a Southern <laughs> accent? And then they just did it for the whole movie. That's what it always like. They were like just two like people being like, this is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it worked. I mean, it works. It doesn't work. It works. Like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was love to hate it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about the way that this movie was filmed um, mm-hmm. because I think it's very, very entertaining throughout. And Ryan Johnson used a lot of different methods or devices to like make that the case. So one thing he did was like he made a point in almost every shot to have multiple characters in them depth wise so like for example there's a shot where like jamie lee curtis is the main part of the theme and he builds up this like triangle of depth so like she has two different family members on either side of her but like further back in the frame and then like you'll notice like so many different shots like that like there'll be one where um the person who's talking is like in the front on the side but then there's like a line of characters going back depth wise in the scene and they're all like Um, on their phones or like whatever yeah so you can see all of them all the way there's one where it goes all the way back to harlan's portrait on the wall and like he's the fourth character and depth wise Mm -hmm. in the in the shot i think he also did a really good job with foreshadowing in the movie like there's one so the interrogations, which take up like a big chunk of the movie, they're all like seemingly in the same spot. So all the family members mm-hmm. come in and they're sitting in the same spot with the like halo of knives like off mm-hmm. to the side. But when Marta comes in, she sits in the middle of the halo of knives, which kind of like alludes yeah. to the fact that maybe she's involved. And then also like what's going to happen at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. just the mark of like someone who understands like has their thumb on every aspect of yeah the movie like like people aren't going to notice this the first time they watch it but like Mm -hmm. after watching it the first time they're gonna be like oh my gosh yeah he just it just seems like in this movie he truly knew exactly what he wanted to do Mm -hmm. like and like every single decision feels like he really understood the script that he wrote and the characters he wrote and the setting and just was able to bring it to life like so well and you know stuff like that Courtney like you mentioned um that stuff's always just so cool because like Mm -hmm. you know it's not something that's gonna jump out to you when you're first watching it but it really pays off and like it just adds so many layers to like the actual story especially to a movie that's just like a fun murder mystery like it Mm -hmm. gives it you know like a thematic like back support basically like it it just really it really makes a movie like this like jump out even more yeah Yeah, i agree he paid so much attention to all the little details throughout so like one of the things for example is he had a ton of clocks and phones in all the scenes showing the exact time and it was very accurate to like when it should be in the story Mm-hmm. And one thing that um, he said in an interview that I thought was really cool 
is that Apple has like a deal with movie makers where they can use their phones in stories, but they have this rule that bad guys cannot have iPhones on camera. So if you're watching a murder (laughs) mystery movie, like if somebody's holding an iPhone and it's like recognizably an iPhone, like they're not the bad guy. She's just like, spoiler alert for future murder (laughs) mystery films. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, no one's going to use iPhone absolutely <laughs> at shit ridiculous that they do shit like that. That is stupid as fuck. <laughs> that makes me so upset. Because, you know, people in real life who suck ass use iPhones, too. Yeah. Like, you can kill someone if you have too. an iPhone. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But I think there's a scene where, like, Jamie Lee Curtis is, like, holding her iPhone and you can see the time like super clearly on it yeah. and like you know she's mm-hmm. not bad because she's yeah. an iPhone. Oh. Um yeah, there's a couple other things that I noted. So the My House My Rules mug, um, mm-hmm. you see it like very prominently at the beginning. And then at the end when um Ransom is being taken into custody and the whole family is outside, Marta comes out and she's got the My House oh, My yeah. Rules mug. Mm-hmm. And it's like very much in shot and just great. (laughs) The last frame or like three minutes of this movie is like some of my, is like one of my favorite Mm -hmm. last like things like the Rolling Stones needle drop, like is Mm -hmm. so good. That's one of my favorite songs and albums like ever. So Mm -hmm. I remember being in the theater and like the movie was so good. And then they did that at the end. And I was like, just jubilant walking out. I was like, this is so good. Oh did, you, did you notice like in the final sequence that Harlan's portrait, um, it changes uh, demeanor. So throughout what? the whole movie, he's it's like the serious portrait. And then once they like, once it all clicks and they announce who the real killer was, he's got a grin. He smiles. Wow. That's cool. I did cool. not notice. They filmed yeah. that with a green screen in the frame because yeah. they didn't have the portraits ready in time. <laughs> so they had That's to like funny. take like high quality pictures of the portraits and then stick them in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love uh, like a credits needle drop too. And it's <laughs> kind of funny because um, in Glass Onion, that's also, that's named after a song by the Beatles. And they like, I mean, spoiler alert again, they play it in the credits. Like they don't mm-hmm. play it in the actual movie. This this movie, the reason why that movie is called Glass Onion and is named after a song is because this movie is named after a Radiohead song, Knives mm-hmm. Out, which is an incredible song. Too bad they didn't use my, that. Yeah, my favorite band. It, that song's kind of like <laughs> a bit of odd, like blockbuster credits. Like You could have like put it on like while they're in the car or something. Yeah, like and that's kind of a deep cut song too because that comes from an album, I mean, everybody who's a, like people who are radiohead fans like all of their albums obviously yeah. but that one specifically is like throwaways from the album before that they mm-hmm. like turned into an album so you can tell ryan johnson really knows his shit when it comes to radiohead if he like is a really mm-hmm. big knives out guy he's probably a bro like if you want to <laughs> yeah. hang out with him he's probably like very neat <laughs> yeah. he's such a I... weird weird person to me because he to looks like the most like boring nerdy human you could ever see and then he like he's just like a white dude that like looks like he plays video games in his house all day like there's nothing (laughs) like that is the vibe 
I was gonna say I can't believe the like weird movie artist likes Radiohead. What a fucking surprise that is! Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so one other thing, just in regards to the way this movie was filmed, that Ryan Johnson did is he said that Daniel Craig, like I guess the last thirty minutes is like all dialogue by Daniel mm-hmm. Craig. It's just so much of him talking. But he apparently, like, had the whole thing, like, just completely memorized. Like, he could recite it, like, as if he was acting in a play. And so Ryan Johnson lengthened the cuts that he was filming because he was, like, it just made for much better, like, scenes and cuts to just, like, have them done all the way through because Daniel Craig just, like, knew his lines so well that we could. Yep, and this is why you cast people who are good at their job in these movies and, like, mm-hmm. have done, can handle shit like this. I mean, he's, you know, one of our great actors, I feel like. So, and he, I feel like he's got some experience playing, I don't know if y'all have seen the movie um, Logan Lucky, but he's playing, like, a really ridiculous part in that movie, too. So, I feel like. You know, you can just trust people like this, like him, who have just been there, done that to to really nail down, you know, what he what Ryan Johnson was going for. And directors talk about all the time about how they like will write a part or a scene and then the actor will play it a certain way. And it it's like maybe different than what they were thinking, but it ends up working because the actors know so much about their character specifically when they're trying to play it too Mm -hmm. yeah i think there's a couple different moments of that in this film specifically i think michael shannon does stuff like that like there's a couple things that he like impromptu did that ryan johnson was like i'm just gonna keep that in there because it works really well for his character Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. michael shannon underrated underrated actor for sure (laughs) he's he's great and everything so I wanted to spend some time talking about costuming, but we already talked about most of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing that I wanted to mention is the way that Ana de Armas is dressed um, because I think it's very different than the typical like murder mystery story. Um, So Liz and I just watched Clue, which is like the OG like murder mystery party story and the similar character to Marta like the um, the housekeeper or like kind She's of person, the maid. The maid. <laughs> well, I mean, Marta's not a maid, but um, is dressed like really sexy and like provocatively and like wearing like mm-hmm. a short like flapper type skirt. Um, and Ana de Armas in an interview actually said like this movie would not have been the same if I had been a sexy nurse. And she was talking about the way that like Latin culture was portrayed in the film because she was able to like more than highlight herself she was able to like highlight her character and the way that her character cared about and was like always like having her family in the forefront of her mind Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, this movie i feel like if it came out in the 80s she would definitely be in like a nurse outfit or some stupid shit like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's great that she's like we talked about this before like even in her costuming is like really down to earth and she's Mm -hmm. meant to be the kind of grounded one yeah, and kind of going back to the family being like so out of the loop and just like up in the clouds constantly is when 
it's announced that she is getting the whole estate, the mm-hmm. first thing you hear is, oh, were you sleeping with my grandfather? And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, like, why is that like the first, if it was a man, is that the first thing you would have come to? No, yeah. like, just. What was the actual line? It was not, are you Something about an like anchor it? baby. And I don't even know what that <laughs> means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is ridiculous. I mean, that just shows how shitty they all are. Like mm-hmm. this person's done nothing but take care of their father. Like, And the rest of them. Like, yeah. <laughs> she's just been so nice and. Yeah, that is one shitty. thing I think I noticed on rewatch is her, just like the outfit that she's in the whole time mm-hmm. is like it's like the cute little cardigan plays, and whatever. Yeah, it just plays really well to. I love like, her the character. Pants. She is <laughs> the like cropped flare pants. Mm-hmm. They're cute. They work very well for her. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know what that means, but <laughs> I'll trust you. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about the story itself. Because this is actually like a unique story, which I think we don't get a lot of anymore because we just get like comic book or book adaptations mm-hmm. or movie remakes. And this was actually like an original screenplay written by Ryan Johnson. Um, and yes, it has elements from like a lot of other who done it, like murder mystery stories, but I think it has like a very unique twist um, and unique feel to it. Mm-hmm. I think the way they moved the story along too is is really good. Like, um, you know, just like all of these movies, I guess, always normally have the part in them where you're like going back. Like they normally mm-hmm. show you the murder and then they go back and stuff. And I think just all of that stuff works. And then becoming like it kind of becomes a little bit of like a cat and mouse game too in the second half when they're like running Mm -hmm. around and Mm -hmm. stuff like they actually leave the grounds of the house like it they they definitely keep you moving a little bit i think the story is is really good and then obviously like the tell all or whatever is really really well done to me (laughs) it had the same feel courtney mentioned we just did clue and it had the same feel as the end of Clue, not like the very, very end, but when they're like mm-hmm. running around, like recalling all the information, except it wasn't so like frantic. There wasn't mm-hmm. this like, like in Clue, they're running around and they're like running from room to room doing all this stuff. And then in this movie, he's just like recalling, but like not just recalling, like fitting in the actual information. So you get like the whole story at the end, which is neat. Yeah. I think it was really smart the way that he used dramatic irony in the story so like the fact that you as an audience know that marta like quote unquote was involved or killed she thinks um, she's harlan like you know that whole side of the story and so you're along the ride with her and then it kind of gets to the point in the middle where it's like wait this isn't adding up and so you still have to like piece together the story along with her um i think that was really really effective because it like the first half you had that that feel of like oh like I kind of know what's going on and then you're like oh wait I don't what's going on who actually did this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the whole like uh just deal with the like toxology report as like a means of like creating dramatic tension between the poor Fran yeah Fran (laughs) Fran I so the first time I saw this I didn't know who I didn't know that actress 
And then mm-hmm. now I've seen um, Righteous Gemstones, a show on HBO. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen that, she, the person who plays Fran, she is so funny in it. Like, <laughs> she is the star of that show, like, to me. And so th- when I was watching it this time, I was like, oh, man, I forgot she was in this. Like, I love her so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but poor her. I mean, she was like, she really took... <laughs> Really took the fall for this one, I would she say. She got the brunt of it all. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to Fran's death, like, I think there was an interesting balance between, like, drama and, like, actual shit going down and then also, mm-hmm. like, it being a dark comedy. Because mm-hmm. I think there were moments of levity and also moments where it was like, oh, okay, Fran is just <laughs> having a morphine overdose, like, right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And her being, like, sort of the... I guess she's like sort of the key to this whole thing at some point mm-hmm. um, because she has like, you know, the evidence or whatever. Um, like I liked, I liked that choice as well. Like I think keeping you on your toes about what actually happened in regards or like, you know, just with the toxology report and stuff that just was such a good tension builder mm-hmm. and device, like having that, like this is the thing that'll prove it or whatever. It's mm-hmm. always the most unlikely character. That's the one that like comes forth with like the one piece of information that's needed to fit everything together. It's like mm-hmm. Fran, this like I, random character that has yeah. like two lines up until that point. Yeah. <laughs> and a weed doesn't she have the weed stash in the yeah yeah, in yeah. The house? Yeah, <laughs> that's how she knew where the toxicology report was hidden. Yeah. Yeah, that part's really funny where they, like, Marta's basically almost having, like, a panic attack or whatever, and they, like, open up the box and there's all the joints in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to talk about my favorite part of the movie, um, and that is Daniel Craig's donut analogy mm-hmm. about the mystery. So he said there's, like, oh, the whole thing, the whole story is a donut but we have a big hole in the middle that only a donut <laughs> hole can fit in the hole of the donut. <laughs> but then there's another donut inside the donut hole that also has a hole. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, can you just like get to the point, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part's so funny. It's like <laughs> such a like ridiculous line. It plays so well with this character. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. hilarious. <laughs> Um, and then like trying the, to tell her without telling her <laughs> yeah the reveal like like at the end or like i guess just the way they get him to confess or whatever is like really mm-hmm. smart and like yeah i mean just to talk about the ending i guess we can like yeah let's do it he, mm-hmm. um when she obviously like just projectile vomits like all <laughs> over him is so funny and then i laughed super hard this time so yeah you know in the movie like she tries to she tricks him essentially into thinking that fran's still alive and that she can get him and then that kind of gets him to like be like oh like i'll get off on all this stuff like he admits Mm -hmm. everything and then she like holds in her vomit until right after he's done perfect moment all over him and then another thing that made me laugh a ton was like you know he tries and kills her and he mm-hmm. like it's the joke knife and i yes. laughed so hard where they like, they're laying on the ground and he and like, like knives and he just goes shit <laughs> and they like <laughs> off. And made me laugh so hard this time yeah when i saw it the first time i so 
unlike you guys, I'm the kind of person that will literally sit there. I cannot enjoy a movie unless I've figured out the ending already. And so I will sit there and be like, what, like, what is this? Like, this is happening and this, this, and like, what does this mean? And all this stuff. And then the first time I watched it, you get to the end and he does that. And I was like, wait a minute. But Harlan said that he didn't know the difference between a real blade and a stage blade. And all those blades are stage blades. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not real. She's not dead. It didn't actually happen. And yeah. then you hear so him you say knew. like, shit, yeah. I was watching mm-hmm. it this time and was like, wait a second. I don't remember her dying. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and she didn't die. <laughs> what the heck? I was like, this is weird. And then it was revealed that it was a fake knife. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, movies, like, I'm so gullible in movies <laughs> that can convince me to do anything, basically. So the first time I saw it, I was like, no. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know the one thing this movie was missing, Matt? Let's hear it. An oiled up Jeff Goldblum somewhere oh, yeah. <laughs> in the background. Oh, yeah, definitely. They should have done it with, I mean, I guess Chris Evans. He's like the hottest person in this movie. Yeah, Maybe on the Dharma. His sweaters like, were nice and tight like, on his <laughs> yeah. chest and shoulders. He's fucking huge in this movie, <laughs> too. Because he's like looking, just I guess he's off of... coming off the peak of Captain America. So yeah. He's just, like, yeah. Massive. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so that's all I have. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that y'all want to talk about? Oh, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I thought was really cool. Um, this is just like a total like, oh, well, bro, kind of thing. But Ryan Johnson, in addition to like, you know, all the movies that he's made, he's like directed um, a bunch of TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, recently he's come out with Poker Face, which is another like, it's like an episodic like mystery show where like similarly to knives out um natasha leone from russian doll is like a raspy voiced girl who like she um can figure out when anybody's lying that's like her thing um Mm -hmm. and that show is like super good so if you have like knives out the movies that's another good one to check out but one thing that's really cool is ryan johnson directed three episodes of breaking bad two that's random and um one of and two of them i would say are two of the most like talked about episodes because one of them is the fly which is an episode where the fly gets stuck and that's like a polarizing directed that yeah and then he directed ozymandias which is like the episode of the show like where spoiler alert hank dies and um <laughs> like, that, was that like, is like <laughs> you gave the spoiler alert and just like immediately yeah <laughs> yeah someone's gonna be like two episodes away and be like yeah but that i mean that episode okay, came if out you haven't seen breaking bad like i mean shame ago. on you like yeah. it's it's too late for but you that's now. like the episode of the show and it's directed by you know ryan <laughs> johnson it just seems like he he just knows what he's doing i feel like when it comes to these sort of like interesting like quirky out there kind of things because i wouldn't say any of his movies are like masterpieces or anything Mm -hmm. but they're just yeah they're just good like yeah good stuff he just makes good stuff (laughs) i mean i'm sold so Mm -hmm. uh i did have one thing to say so we've talked about a few movies that were like inspiration for this movie. And I think Ryan Johnson called on like a whole bunch of movies to get like key elements and just like little things from, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, but he has specifically called out a movie 
that he thinks if you really liked Knives Out that you'll like this one too. So just for anyone who's looking for anything similar, it's called The Last of Sheila. So if you liked Knives Out, go check out The Last of Sheila and let us know if you liked it. I've never even heard of that, so maybe I'll watch it too. Yeah. 1973 (laughs) murder mystery movie. Mm. Very cool. Directors, like people who make movies, they just know so many other fucking movies. It's so crazy. Like anytime someone talks about their favorite movies and their director, I'm like, I have no idea what that is or what you're talking (laughs) about. (laughs) Okay. Are y'all ready to rate this movie? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. We do um, letterbox rating, so zero to five stars. Matt, you are up first. Okay. I think I'm going to go four on this one. I think it's just like a very solid, like, well, it's really good, entertaining, like, and just a a great movie overall. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. it a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Liz? Um, So I gave this one three out of five stars. and. It's a, I mean, it's a good movie. It's mm-hmm. by no means like the best movie I've ever seen, in my opinion. And I think too, watching it for the second time kind of swayed that a little bit. I think if I was watching it for the first time, it might have gotten a higher rating. Mm-hmm. Um, but watching it for the second time, like I knew it was going to happen. Some of it felt a little slow because I was like, okay, 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 like let's get to it. Um, so that's why I gave it three out of five stars, but I still did really enjoy it. Um, I just don't think like it has the same feel to it after watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me you think Clue was a better movie than this movie? Again, that was the first time I saw Clue. So okay. I think if okay. I watched it for the second time, it would score lower. Yeah, the, the viewing experience on a movie like this is way different the second time. That's mm-hmm. so true. You and like, if you saw it for the happen. first time in theaters, you probably had a way different experience too because there's just so much to look at. Like, I have a big enough TV, but like if I saw it like larger than life, like that would be mm-hmm. so cool. But watching it for the second time, I was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> okay, I gave this movie, similar to Matt, four stars. Um super solid movie enjoy it every time i watch it that's basically it (laughs) um let's talk about what the what the real critics think or just like the world in general so i think overall this movie was really well liked so on letterboxd it's got an average of four out of five stars um, Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, which is the critic meter, got a 97% and the audience okay, scores a 92. We didn't talk about that. 97% is very high for a yeah. tomato yeah, meter score. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the movie is like, really well made. Everything that we said throughout this episode like points to the fact that it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. I think I think like some of the stuff you brought up earlier, Courtney, about like, and you did too, like Liz, like the intentionality of some of the filmmaking is something mm-hmm. critics, I feel like probably really latched onto it and it Mm -hmm. just being like a smart well-acted story too while also being like really funny at the same time like um but i think like the critics probably also latched on to the fact that everything in this movie just like looks great it's like really well shot like there's no plot holes like yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah um so imdb got 7.9 out of 10 and then 89% of Google users liked the movie. So overall, great scores. I think we scored it pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. 
Yeah, quality yeah, movie, quality is... story, very entertaining. Yeah, one people like a lot. And I think the the sequel to this movie is a good one too. Like it it definitely carries the spirit on while telling a new story and kind of like like we said with the casting of this one where it's like sure there's a lot of stars but they're all picked very intentionally and like Mm -hmm. it's the same thing with glass onion to me like there's a lot of movie stars in that movie but they're all there for a reason Mm -hmm. is glass onion like a sequel to this movie or like it's a standalone no it's just like a new a new like story that he gets called on um okay to to do one thing that is kind of interesting is for it is like it is sort of like a pandemic movie so there is like like some sort of like the pandemic plays a part sort of in it there's like a nod especially in the beginning yeah okay okay interesting that's one of the i haven't seen it yet so yeah y'all should definitely watch it I, i i would be interested to see like i feel like most people who like the first one i think this one the first one still is better um but the second one has has some good stuff like it's it's really well crafted too i'm excited to check it out yeah yeah okay well that is all we have so matt thank you so much for joining again on the podcast people love you and we love you so thank <laughs> you for joining yeah i'm i always i guess second time around just really like doing <laughs> this so thanks for having me back yeah <laughs> okay bye bye matt Bye-bye. Okay, so it's we just say goodbye to Matt, um, but it's also time for us to say goodbye to all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Knives Out episode. Be sure to leave us a rating or review, drop us a comment on YouTube, and leave us an answer to our poll and QA section on Spotify. You can find more information about the podcast and our whole podography on our website, thecritics.com, or find links to all the things we just mentioned on our link tree in the episode show notes. Next week, we're going to be talking about Shutter Island, which is more of a psychological slow burn murder mystery, and it's way more serious. So be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss it. Um, You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. All right. Bye, guys. We'll see you all next Monday. Bye, guys. Bye.